You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. This week, we are looking at another one of the questions from our That's a Great Question series. The question is this, is there evidence to believe that Jesus rose from the dead? So the resurrection of Jesus is the central claim of Christianity. It's the biggest claim of Christianity. So what evidence is there to believe that it's true? Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Mike Holwerda, another member of our leadership team, Zach Wyrock, the director of Orchard NEO, and Joe Coffey, our lead pastor. Today, we are answering another one of the questions from our That's a Great Question series. The question is this, is there evidence to believe Jesus rose from the dead? So this is, of all the claims that Christianity makes, this is the biggest and most important and probably the most uh, ridiculous. So is there evidence to believe Jesus rose from the dead? Yeah, I think the important place to start is is with this. The Bible affirms a literal, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. I think that's an important thing to say because I think some people have this concept that if the resurrection didn't really happen, if it was figurative, if it was metaphorical, if it was an out-of-body experience, then nothing really changes with Christianity. And that's not true. It's not true for two reasons. Number one, it's not what the Bible says. So for instance, when Jesus raises from the dead uh, and he meets the disciples, there's this scene on the beach where they're eating fish. And you're like, why does that matter? Well, the reason why it matters is because the writer wants you to understand Jesus was not a ghost. Ghosts don't eat fish. He was digesting. He, he was chewing. He was, that, that's physical human behavior. And that's really important because what the Bible is holding out for me is a literal physical resurrection. The aim of the Bible is that, hey, Zach, you will literally physically raise from the dead. And that's what I want. I want to die and I want to get back up. And so I need to have that have happened in Jesus to believe it can happen in me. So it's a good place. That doesn't prove it as much as it just says that this is what the Bible says. And so if you think you can have some form of Christianity without having that I think you can't. I, I think you're really stripping the not just the main kind of argument of Christianity, but the main point of it, which is, and that, by the way, is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, right? Where he says, hey, no resurrection. We're the biggest losers. This is pointless. <laughs> yeah. like, Why we, are we doing we this? We have given up everything. And that's the guy who's writing the New Testament. So if you say, well, Paul, there's still meaning in that, well, he says there's not. And all due respect to those listening to the podcast, if I have to pick between your definition of Christianity or the Apostle Paul's, I'm going to go with Paul's. And he says, no resurrection no Christianity, and he means no literal, physical resurrection. And the reason that's so important is because uh, that's what makes Christianity stand out from all the religions, that it is uh, verifiable and falsifiable, right? I mean, because uh, that's why right before Easter, uh, there are articles that come out where they have found the bones of Jesus or that they have discovered that it's all a hoax or anything, because uh, everybody really understands that without the death and resurrection, the physical death and resurrection of Jesus, there is no Christianity. So um, I always find it interesting that they they come out with those news articles right before, and I count it as a compliment because I think they understand, even if other people don't, how important the resurrection is because if it didn't happen, then even Paul says, right, that we are the the most to be pitied because none of it's true. Then. Yeah. Right. If you can deliver yeah. a body, you know, shut the lights right. off. Yeah. And I echo that. Home. I mean, I do this for a living. We all do. But if there's no resurrection, I'm going to go do something else. Right. I mean, this is right. this is pointless. This is meaningless. But we get we go to the evidence. And so the first evidence that the Bible gives is the empty tomb, right? Because you just said, if there's a body, drag it out, which is exactly what, uh, what would have happened 
in the first century that would have uh, stopped Christianity within a day. Yeah, and, and again, so when you and again, sometimes as readers, we only read it as twenty first century readers. But when Peter in Acts two says this, this Jesus that God sent you crucified and God rose him from the dead, Peter is saying that at a time in which you could have just walked over to the yeah. graveyard, right. <laughs> like, now what are you talking about, man? He's still there. Like, right. open the the tomb. Like, like so. So this is a, we read it, and we think, well, Peter, that's really not verifiable, and that's true in in like the twenty first century. But but back then, it, it it definitely was that Peter was saying, like, walk over there yourself. I'm telling you, God rose him from the dead. Yeah, I think the second evidence then that that bleeds into is that you have the, the witnesses right. to the resurrection, right? The people who said, hey, and whose lives radically changed by saying, I've seen Jesus. One of my favorite parts, again, in 1 Corinthians 15 is when Paul says, I can give you 500 names. And again, today we say, well, that's not helpful to me because I can't text those people. But when Paul was writing that, you could do that. And that was the claim he was making. Right. And you, th- you think of the witnesses too, where they were under intense persecution. Because uh, I remember reading Chuck Colson's uh, book. Uh, he was part of the Watergate scandal. And he said one of the things that convinced him of Christianity was that uh, he was in a room. I think he said there were five of us in the room when we decided that if everyone, everyone just stuck to the same story, we would all be okay that uh, we were hanging on to the most powerful positions in the free world, and all we didn't need to do was stick to the same lie. And within 36 hours, Haldeman made, made, cut a deal for himself. And he said then the jig was up. And he said, what I realized was that you can't get five people to hang on to a lie, to, hang, to have the greatest jobs in the world. You certainly couldn't get 12 men to hang on to a lie when they were one by one being tortured to death, and all they had to do was say, okay. And it's, and it's important true. to note in the first century, like th- these guys have no concept of Rome becoming Christian. No. They have no, no concept of what would become kind of the churches intertwining with Western civilization. I mean, they have no concept of that. They stood to gain nothing. I mean, they, they, you think about the Apostle Paul who walks away from his prominent career because he would say, I saw literally physically the embodied Jesus Christ, and that changed my, my life. Like, he gave up everything for that. And look, madmen will do that from time to time, but we're talking about, at, the, at this time, uh, 12 and then hundreds of people, thousands of people who would give their lives, who would give up status, who would give up, and that Christianity began as a, really as a slave religion. It began at the lower class uh, elements, and then it spread like wildfire. Like, this is because people were convinced that they had seen, that they had experienced, that, that they had been witness to this, this miraculous event. It seems like the overarching um, like narrative is there's verifiable evidence that Jesus of Nazareth died and was crucified, right? Like that's not just in the Bible, that's in Absolutely. first century yeah. historians, yeah. Um, Roman and uh, Jewish. And then so you have that big before, like uh, almost any atheist scholar will affirm and declare that that there is was true. was a Jesus, yeah. And then you have this huge movement, right? right? And you can look at individuals, whether it's Paul, who was an enemy, or James, his half-brother, who was a skeptic, or uh, pick anybody, and uh, from individuals to even like the, the, the start of the church, right? The sweeping movement across the entire world, right? So, all right, you have those two major things. You have verifiable uh, um, evidence of Jesus, and you have really the boom of the church. And something in the middle changed that, right? You need some sort of... Okay. Cataclysmic event, yeah. right. And 
the resurrection is the claim that the witnesses made, disciples made, and if you don't have that, you need some sort of explanation for right, and that's the. To me, I think that's a, that's where I always want to take people because that's indirect evidence, and I think that's scientific. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, the scientists now will say that you know the the vast majority of energy in the universe is dark energy. The vast majority of matter is dark matter, and when you say what is dark matter, they say well, we're not really sure, but we know it must be there because of the the impact that it's having on matter. And if I say to them, say say to a scientist, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in dark matter. They would say, okay. But then you still have to account for the impact that something is making on matter. And then, so, Mike, I think what you bring up is, is absolutely brilliant because we have to say, we know this is, this is verifiable. We know Jesus lived, Jesus died on a cross. We know it's verifiable that within... Uh, a couple of centuries, it was a movement that the world has never seen before or since that swept across the known world. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, and they said, our lives have been changed because, and when they were asked because, they said the resurrection of Jesus because Jesus lives. And if you are going to reject Jesus living, then the question is, what was that cataclysmic event? How do you explain that? Right. That made Orthodox Jews change their day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. I mean, it changed everything about their lives, like Zach said. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to note, because I, I could see someone listening to what you just said, Joe, and say, well, okay, yeah, there was this event, Christianity spread, but Islam spread, Judaism spread, but but there's a difference, and, and it's the, the means of spreading. And again, I want you to distance or kind of divorce Christianity at its beginning and what happened with Rome and, and, and what it eventually became. But the significant thing is that Islam spread through force. That 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 is how right. it spread. It was a geopolitical phenomenon that, by the way, is still located in the same place uh, in terms of where it is most popular that it ever was. It, it's a Middle Eastern religion that began there, that, has, that still emanates out of there, and it has emanated largely through force. Judaism is an ethnic historically is an ethnic identity religion that that not only that spread in the sense that as the Jewish people themselves spread but also has not looked to really spread evangelistically that that that's not really the bent Christianity spread as an ideology like it spread as one person talking to another person and say let me tell you what I just heard and the phenomena of that is that that's the absolute kind of worst way to spread an idea because there's no incentive for the other person I said well why do I have to believe this if I believe this you, are, is it because you're in power? And if I don't believe this, you're going to kill me? Well, no, we don't have any power. First century Christians were nobodies. We have nothing. To, so what, what's in it for me? Only this, that if Jesus rose from the dead, then you can too. And that is, that is the emphasis over and over again in the New Testament that you see people uh, responding to. And so what's fascinating, and I heard Tim Keller say this once, is one way you can measure this is that of the Western major world religions, because again, Buddhism and Hinduism are so different, but the major Western religions is you take Islam, it started in the Middle East and it's still there. But you look at Christianity, it has no geo Ge- geographical uh, epicenter. It started in one place, then it shifted to Rome, then it shifted to Europe, then it shifted over here. Now, honestly, where Christianity is growing the fastest, South America, Africa. Southeast Asia, Africa. And that's because it isn't tied to a place. It isn't tied to a political system. It's tied to wherever there's excitement over the idea that we die and we can get back up. Like that is at its core what Christianity is about. Yeah, I think the other thing that is helpful, was helpful for me, is even consider 
Jesus with his contemporaries, and he wasn't the first person to come around claiming to be something and claiming to, um, you know, know God and claiming, like, everything he claimed for. Like, there were people like uh, um, Theodos and people like Judas in the early um, first centuries that made a big deal about who they were, and then would soon gather followers and then fizzle out and die. And even Jewish leaders in the first century said, hey, don't worry about it. These guys come, they go, and if they fizzle out, it's of man. And if they continue, then you know it's of God. And that was their way of trying to deal with um, the early church and saying, hey, if it's from man, it's going to die. And if it continues, then you know it's from God. And that becomes like a marker even comparing Jesus to uh, his contemporaries that I think is really helpful to keep in mind. Yeah, and I love the way it's well said, Mike. And I love the way that the New Testament, again, the apostles, Jesus himself, they stake that claim over and right, over and right. over again. I mean, they're, they're, all their preaching is he rose from the dead and that's everything. I mean, again, just imagine if your idea is, well, they spread this idea to gain power for themselves. Well, they failed miserably because the apostles themselves never really had power. Murdered, yeah. But when Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15, like if there's no resurrection, this is all pointless. That is not how you gain power. You hedge. You say, right. we're saying he rose from the dead. But even if he didn't, think about all the good he did and think about, right? But that's not what they're saying over and over again. They're saying, no, 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 literal, physical resurrection. Even the Christian rite of initiation, baptism, is an identification with the fact that just as he died, so will we. And just as he rose, so will we. That is the whole point. And if you study baptism at its inception, it was often the Rubicon moment where someone was publicly identifying with Christ, even at the expense of their own life. To be baptized meant you could, in it, when they knocked on your door and said, are you a Christian? You said, even if you were tempted to lie and go, no, 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 they would say, ah, you're lying. We saw you be baptized. Like to be baptized was to say, I really do believe. He died, he rose, I will die, I will raise. I mean, that is at our very core what we're doing to become a Christian is to identify with this idea of the resurrection. And I just think it's important for Christians that like whenever there's pushback, whether seasonal pushback is Joe saying, or the next book that comes out, look, we shouldn't shrink. We should double down. We should say, we know it's crazy. We, we, we get it. We get that you would struggle with it, but this is what we believe. It's inescapably what we believe. This is what we pin all of our hopes to. Don't back down from that. The resurrection is everything for Christianity. Yeah, N.T. Wright, what wrote the seminal book? Yeah, it's um, massive. Yeah, it was the yeah. the resurrection of the Son of God. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's like eight hundred pages. And one of the things that uh, that he brings up is that uh, the resurrection, the physical resurrection of anybody, has never ever been an idea uh, that anybody expected or grasped until Jesus rose from the dead. So it's not something I, like if you're going to if if you're going to deny the resurrection, you have to come up with some with a good idea, with some kind of other explanation for what has happened because it is uh it is so out of the blue in some ways. Uh and then you know, I mean, the other thing that NT Wright brings up that I remember is that uh you know that the early Christians never commemorated his grave. We we don't know. I went to Israel and uh on a tour and they bring you to what they think might be his grave. I mean, here's the most famous, you know, person who ever lived, and we don't know where he's buried. And the reason we don't know where he's buried is because that was never important to Christians, <laughs> because the tomb was empty. So they never laid. Nobody ever went and laid flowers after Mary Magdalene went. She tried to go and and that and it was already empty, and so no one ever 
made that a memorial yeah, to Jesus. Yeah, and what I love about that, Joe, what you're saying is just to get preachery for a minute, is that what Jesus did is he didn't just make that tomb irrelevant, that really the claim of Christianity is he made death irrelevant. Right, right. I mean, he, he made the tomb irrelevant. He, he, it's a passing moment, and then he's overcome it. And, and again, I just think Christians should lean into that. And again, I think sometimes, again, if, just because you don't know the answer to something doesn't mean there's not an answer out there. N.T. Wright wrote a massive, uh, Wright wrote a massive book that's really helpful. And if you're like, well, how could you have 800 pages of things to say? You should get the book and you should yeah, read you it. Should, yeah, you uh, should, Because again, I think sometimes we think, I don't know how to defend this, therefore there must not be a defense. And that's just, that's just not true. Yeah, I think if you're looking for a less than 800-page read, um, there are two other authors that I'd recommend one is Gary Habermas and uh, Michael Lacona. They wrote a book that's uh, really helpful. It breaks down the argument, not just from a biblical standpoint, from a historical standpoint, that I think uh, it's less than 800 pages and would uh, recapture some of the things that we've we've put forth here. Yeah, and I think a good challenge as you're listening to this podcast too is, is these facts are not separate from us for life and from life, from our, the way we live our lives. And I think too is just to say that uh, – how do we know the resurrection is true is a good question. Here's another question for us to meditate on, which is to say, do others looking at my life see a life built around this idea that the resurrection is true? That the first century Christianity was contagious, and one of the reasons it was contagious is because it was inescapably apparent from being around first century Christians that they believed the resurrection. And my, my prayer would just be that CCC would be a church where people would go, you know, I don't know everything they believe. I, I don't know what all they talk about, but here's one thing I know they believe. They believe that guy died and got back up, hmm. and they believe they're going to die and get back up. That's one of those, you know, that makes me think of something that comes to my mind from time to time regarding the resurrection, just that even if you are against Christianity, like, wouldn't you want a story like that to be true? Yeah. Like, isn't that a story and that isn't is so worth wonderful? considering, right? Yeah, worth yeah. looking into. If there's any chance that there's truth to it, wouldn't you want to know? Yeah. Because if the resurrection is true, then that changes everything for us. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, and one of the things we want to continue to do is make the connection between our faith in Jesus and our everyday lives. So if you have a question or topic that you'd like to hear discussed, feel free to email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. And if you want more information about Christ Community Chapel, our church, you can go to our website, which is www.ccchapel.com. Thanks for listening.